0: In an absolute shootout, the Kings beat the Pistons 137-129. to 129. It moves the Kings to 9-6 on the season. They've now won 6 in a row and the Pistons move to 3-15 on the season. They have lost all 10 of their road games. There was very little defense being played in this game, especially by the Pistons I would say, but The Pistons were able to make a lot of contested three-pointers, and they were on fire from deep. They are the worst three-point shooting team in the league. But in this game, that didn't show. Guys like Jaden Ivey went four for four. Isaiah Livers made a three. Killian Hayes was two for three from three. Kevin Knox was three for five. Corey Joseph was two for three. And those just are not guys that normally hit threes. And a lot of them were contested threes. And Boyan Bogdanovich hit two threes, both of them heavily contested. That's not to say that the Kings defense wasn't bad. It was bad. But it's, I don't think it's as bad as the score shows. Because the Pistons were hitting some crazy shots. The Pistons started Marvin Bagley at the five, and the Kings looked to take advantage of this very early on. It was very evident. They were going to Sabonis on every possession in the post, and Bagley just couldn't stop him. Sabonis drew a few fouls, and Sabonis only took five shots on the game, but that's because he was getting fouled a lot. He did have eight free throw attempts, made six of them, which... Honestly, it's still not a lot, only 6 for 8 from the free throw line and 4 for 5 from the field. It's not a lot for maybe how small this Pistons team is and how he should have been dominating them, but early on he was definitely going at him, and Bagley picked up uh, a few fouls early. He ended up getting 5 fouls on the game and he was struggling in foul trouble the whole time. Early on, Kevin Herter's three-point shot wasn't falling, and I think he really showed that he's more than just a three-point shooter in this game with a lot of good playmaking and a lot of good passes into Sabonis, as well as just driving to the hoop and finishing himself. Uh, The one thing that I would say with Kevin Herter that's a negative is just him being able to guard really fast guys on the perimeter because there was just a few times where he got on Jaden Ivey and Jaden Ivey blew by him. But I do think Kevin Herter still helps our defense because of his length and his size. And the problem for this Kings defense really comes when the bench comes on and we sub out one of three guys, either Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes or Kevin Herter, because when you don't have all three of those guys out there at the same time, you lose a lot of length and a lot of size, and we really don't have any wings off the bench. We run a three guard lineup off the bench and two power forwards, pretty much. I mean, Metu at the five, but there aren't any versatile wings off the bench, not a single one. And it's definitely something that Kaziak Paula could help with if he got minutes, but he just doesn't get minutes because he doesn't give anything on the offensive end, like Lyles or Metu or Terrence Davis do, although Terrence Davis only played three minutes in this game, and so we actually went with a nine-man rotation. And that's even with the fact that Malik Monk did get ejected in the fourth quarter. I think when the bench is out there, or like even just part of the bench, just not the full five starting five for the Kings, it's just too easy for other teams to get a mismatch that they like it's too easy for them to just set a screen on pretty much any player and then they have a guard against a guy who can't guard guards on the perimeter or they have a big against or a wing uh, that uh, is either bigger than a guard or faster than two of our big guys and that's just a, a a problem for the bench unit Because when you look at the numbers, the starting five for the Kings have an elite defense. They're one of the top defenses in the entire league and one of the top offenses. But the second even one bench player comes in, that all changes. I don't think it necessarily means that individually the guys off the bench are bad defenders. It just means that we don't have the right composition of guys together. You know, obviously, Davion Mitchell's not a bad defender. He's a great defender. And I think Monk's a good defender, and Terrence Davis is a good defender. And Chemezi Metu definitely isn't bad. Lyles, maybe, is the only one that's bad defensively. But I don't even think he's, you know, as bad as someone like Marvin Bagley, who we've had in the past. But I think a trade might need to be made at some point this season to acquire another wing player, whether that be Jay Crowder or a guy like Torrey Craig, both on the Suns, or maybe even both of them if Harrison Barnes is getting traded for them. Uh, I know there have been rumors about Harrison, the Suns being interested in trading for Harrison Barnes, but there was a report more recently that said the Kings are not involving Harrison Barnes in any trade talks and they're comfortable with where uh, the team is at right now and I it would definitely hurt the offense to trade Harrison Barnes he had 27 points in this game and he got to the free throw line 11 times he was just taking advantage of the Pistons defense that would anytime there was any movement any rotations that had to be made for the Pistons they just didn't close out to Harrison Barnes well. And so he could just make one little move and be by a guy and force them to foul him or just make the shot. He was really just being a veteran out there against a bunch of young guys on the Pistons who didn't know how to defend his veteran moves, his pump fakes, his you know slow moves into the paint. And he also did a good job of exposing one of the worst defenders in the league, Boyan Bogdanovic, in this game. In the in the first quarter, I thought the defense for the first eight minutes or so of the quarter, maybe seven and a half minutes, was pretty good, and then it fell apart at the end. And I think that kind of shows you. Like that—that's a pattern that has been happening all season, and it's really just—it's about the bench. The bench needs to get better defensively. In the at the start of the second quarter, the Kings had some miscommunication defensively between Fox and Metu, and it allowed the Pistons to get an easy layup, and immediately, (laughs) De'Aaron Fox looked so disappointed or pissed off or something because he knew immediately when that happened, and I think it was his fault, the miscommunication, he knew that he was going to hear about it from Mike Brown because Mike Brown called a timeout instantly in a classic Mike Brown way of just 30 seconds into the quarter calling a timeout, and he did it. Mike Brown called another timeout like a minute into the, it was either the third or the fourth, He just, and I love that about him. He's not going to let this team let the start of quarters get away from them quickly. You know, if they, if the team doesn't come out ready to play in a quarter, he just immediately puts a stop to that and calls a timeout. And I think, I think it works really well. One thing I wanted to mention about Chemezi Metu was on the offensive end, he just looks more like he's, getting comfortable at the the center spot that he's playing and in the paint and there was just one move where he got the pass i think it was a pass i don't think it was an offensive rebound but it might have been but i'm pretty sure it was a pass and he just made a super simple but effective move where he was decisive he he just said i am going to make this move where he just did a little spin move into a hook And it looks really simple but it's just something you wouldn't have seen from him before and it's just he just decided he was going to do it and he turned and even though there was two guys kind of on him he knew neither of them was going to get to his hook so he just calmly put his hook up and made the basket easy and i think that that is a massive improvement in his game if that can continue there's just simple decisive moves from him when he gets the ball in the paint. Darren Fox continues to hit his three-pointers. He was two for four on the game. I believe both of them came back-to-back or near each other in the second quarter, and that just opens up his game and the Kings' offense so much if he's hitting that three because, obviously, if you close out hard on him, he's going right by you for a layup every time. So... It just makes the Kings offense so much more dynamic. The Pistons held the lead for a lot of this game where they were kind of had a three to seven point lead and then the Kings maybe would cut it uh, and tie it and then the Pistons would get the lead again. And it wasn't until really late in the fourth quarter that the Kings actually um, took a, a bigger lead than one point. But I thought... When, when the game seemed like it was maybe getting away from the Kings a little bit near the end of halftime, Fox brought him back into it and scored a couple of baskets. In that first half, he had 21 points, 3 assists, and he was just keeping the Kings in the game. And Sabonis was um, just not getting calls from the refs at all. It was That was one of the roughest games he's had from a refereeing standpoint. The referees were just, I mean, he was bleeding in like three different places by the end of this game, got hit in the face twice, and just was not getting any foul calls. And, but not only was he not getting foul calls, a lot of the no calls that were affecting him would then lead to him getting called for a foul. And he had five fouls in this game. That's really a problem. He also got called for another foul in the second quarter that Mike Brown had to challenge because he didn't touch the guy and you know it was a successful challenge so it took the foul away but it's just a problem when every game we have to waste our challenge so early because Sabonis gets called for some foul that he did not commit and it happens every game it doesn't happen to anyone else on the Kings just Sabonis it's so weird like he he He's, a two, he's the only all-star on this roster, but he is the one that doesn't get any calls. Like, it's supposed to be the other way around. The all-star is the one that usually gets all the, the calls from the refs, and it's just totally backwards here. You know, and it's not like I'm just some Kings fan saying this super, you know, in a biased way. Like, Mike Brown challenges the call and is successful every game on these calls, And when the last two-minute report comes out, um, they also confirm a lot of these calls are mistakes. So, you know, you you don't have to just take my word for it. You can look at both the challenges and the last two-minute report, and it all confirms this. I thought Jaden Ivey in this game looked really good offensively. I mean, he was knocking down step-back threes, but not only that, he was really fast and... Um, him and Fox were just going back and forth at each other. Both of them are lightning quick and would just get to layups, uh, or get to the rim for easy layups so easily, so easily because they're just faster than anyone else on the court. And so that was really fun to watch them go back and forth at each other. Uh, the one thing that I will say about Jay Nivey is his defense is very poor. He, he doesn't know how to defend. Um, similar to Fox early in his career, really. I think there's a lot of similarities between De'Aaron Fox and Jaden Ivey. Uh, but, you know, Fox has learned how to be a good defender now. So we'll see if uh, if Jaden Ivey develops into that as well. It was good to have uh, Keegan Murray back from his injury. Although he, he didn't look um, entirely there. But, because uh, he's only one for six from three, he... Uh, he was still getting treatment every time he went to the bench on his lower back, you could see. Um, and his shot form just didn't look quite right. So you can definitely tell he's still uh, still a bit injured, still coming back from that. Uh, and he, one thing I'll say about him, he struggles to finish in the lane. Uh, he made like one layup, but missed two others. And... It's definitely just... It's something he's going to need to improve on. Getting comfortable finishing inside. Because a lot of times... He is bigger than anyone else. And... Anyone else that's guarding him, that is. And he is getting passes from Sabonis or Fox or whoever when he cuts. And if a defender is there... Usually the defender's there, but he can just... Should be able to just shoot right over him. Uh, and he... It's just not making him so it's just something he needs to improve on in at the end of the third quarter and at the start of the fourth quarter the kings were getting killed on the offensive glass jalen duran had like three offensive rebounds he was killing us inside and that was even when sabonis came back into the game he continued to kill us jalen duran had eight rebounds total five of them were offensive rebounds. And the game started to get away from the Kings because of all of the offensive rebounds. It definitely there was a stretch early in that fourth quarter where the calls were not going our way, especially Sabonis's way as I was talking about, and and we were not making our outside shots even though they were open. And we were allowing those offensive rebounds, and the game definitely started to slip away. And I found it funny, um, you know, De'Aaron's, uh wife sits courtside at all these games, and <laughs> she said that um, on Twitter she tweeted that she was yelling at Mark Davis, the, the referee all game about <laughs> about Sabonis not uh, not getting calls, and then apparently he said back to her well, then you make the call. Oh, oh wait, you can't, you know, because you're not a referee or something. And then she said, well, it's your job to make the call and you're still not. I just, I thought it was so funny reading uh, what she was tweeting about because that's just, it, it's so funny to me, that interaction between her and uh, and the refs. And I love that. I love that she's getting into it with the, with the refs there. And uh, speaking of the refs, now we get to the part where Malik Monk gets ejected. Uh, Malik had a technical for, you know, some arguing early in the game. He must have said, like, said something bad. That's not like, you know, normal arguing because it, doesn't, it definitely wasn't about the him, like, arguing excessively. Because Bagley was arguing after every call and he didn't get a technical. So I don't know what he said, but he must have said something bad. <laughs> And then he got a second technical after he dunked on a guy and flexed on him, <laughs> which uh, I'm not saying it's the wrong call because, yeah, he he flexed on him and then kind of like went into him. And it's the body contact that really is the the technical foul. And, and I get that. But uh, just there have been way too many technicals for the softest things across the league this season. And it it's taking the fun out of the game, and it's also taking the flow out of the game. Because the crowd could be going crazy after a dunk, and then there's, like, a technical foul call because someone just, like, looks in the direction of the player they dunked on, or maybe, like, flexes as they go down the court, and they get called for a technical it's like, Why? You're taking the fun out of the game. And not even just taking the fun out of the game, but, you know, Jason Tatum got a technical for just clapping once, like, in frustration at himself. And uh, that did get rescinded by the league, but it's the fact that the refs are calling it in the first place. And getting rescinded, it's like, that's great, it gets rescinded, but it they still, the other team still got the free throw in the game because they didn't rescind it in the middle of the game and take away the point, so... It's definitely a, a problem. We don't want to turn into the NFL where you can't celebrate at all. And then right after that uh, that technical was called, then Jaden Ivey, uh, I think, dunked on uh, on Sabonis or made a layup over Sabonis and hit him straight in the face as he was going up for the for the shot. And Mark Davis, you know, the referee, was looking right at it and didn't call it. And then it, and it was exactly the same as something that the bonus got called for on the other end of the court. And so that's just, it was ridiculous. The, the the calls late in this game. And not only were the calls ridiculous, but also the game was so slow. It felt like the entire game was in the fourth quarter. You know, like at the end of a game. That type of pace. Because there was just so many stoppages for fouls. It was, it was ridiculous. But I will say that so many times in the past we've had games like this where like the refs are are killing us and we would lose the game and then be like well we we played well enough to win but the refs just didn't you know let us win so it's kind of like the moral victory right but it's actually a loss but it's like now we we're actually getting the wins and so it doesn't matter right it doesn't matter and you know, I saw someone tweet, I don't remember who it was, but I saw someone tweet out, like, um, bad wins are better than, you know, moral victories and losses. And I think that's so true, because if you can win an ugly game, that's, all that matters is the the win, in the win column, in the standings at the end of the day. There's no category in the standings for moral victories, Late in this game, Kevin Herter caught fire after struggling with his shot the whole game. He caught fire, made a few threes, scored like 13 of his 24 points, I think, in the fourth quarter. And I think a mistake that the Pistons made late in that game was ch- taking Jalen Duran out of the game and putting Bagley back in. Because Bagley came out of the game with five fouls early in the fourth, and Jalen Duran went in, uh, and they were getting offensive rebounds and just controlling the glass. And then Bagley came back in, and Sabonis got a few offensive rebounds that were huge late in that game, leading to scores. And the crowd started erupting after a few of those Kevin Herter three-point baskets. Those were huge. And then it kind of felt like the Kings were going to win the game. And then the Pistons come down the other way. And Alec Burks rises up for a three. And Herter gets called for a foul on the three. And then we look at the replay. And what happens? Oh, Alec Burks. Kevin Herter's just standing there. And Alec Burks raises up for the shot. And like elbows Herter in the face. And that's how Herter got called for the foul. With his face. That was ridiculous. I just, I can't. I, I, I can't with the refs sometimes. I can't handle it. I, I That one was insane. Like, how, how do you foul someone with your face when you're just standing there? That was ridiculous. And Burks had been doing that all game, really, where he would shoot in an unnatural motion to try to draw a foul. But then late in that game, you know, the Kings got up after this Kevin Herter makes. And then Fox went to the free throw line and sealed it with a few free throws. And he has just been so good from the free throw line this season. Which is such an important improvement in his game. He went 9 for 9 from the free throw line. And it's so important because he gets to the rim so much. So he's getting fouled so much. So he needs to make him. And now he finally is, unlike seasons in the past. That was the last game of the Kings' homestand. They now go out on the road. Their next game is in Memphis. Then they play Atlanta, Boston. Then they play Phoenix. This next game against Memphis should be a win. Even though it is on the road, even though Memphis is a good team, they are missing their two best players. I believe they will be missing their two best players in this game. John ja Morant and Desmond Bain are out. At least that's what it seems like. It seems like they're going to be out. I don't know that for sure though. Uh, and if you want to count Jaron Jackson, then their their three best players are out. But Jaron Jackson Jackson's injury is obviously more long long term than uh, the other two, who might be back the next game. <laughs> so we got a little lucky on on that it seems just like we got lucky with the pistons not having a few of their guys we've gotten we've definitely gotten lucky with uh some guys missing to injury when we play them but that's also not to say that we haven't had our our injuries as well just thankfully nothing serious nothing long term for us but this game against the the grizzlies should be a win the grizzlies are obviously going to be relying a lot on Dylan Brooks to have a good offensive game. And, you know, he's always up and down. He's either going 10 for 10 from three point land or going 0 for 10. So we'll see what what kind of Dylan Brooks. I I think early in that game, we will be able to tell whether it will be an easy game or a hard game based on just if Dylan Brooks makes or misses his first few shots. But they'll also be relying on guys like, uh, you know, Tyus Jones. But the. they, you know, the Grizzlies have depth, but not the type of depth that can handle missing your three best players. and if we are truly a good team, then we should be able to beat them pretty easily. And hopefully we can actually step up our defense. In this game, I feel like I've said that for the past few games. Let's step up the defense in the next game. and then we don't, but we win anyways. At some point, it's gonna come back to bias if we don't start playing some defense. One last thing I want to mention about the Kings bench. I think a lot of people have been like before the season and even during the season. I've been talking about the Kings need for a rim protector, uh, and but I I don't think that that is the most important. I don't think that that is the most important part of the defense. I think that it's the flashy part, getting blocks, you know, highlight plays, the highlight defensive plays, but I think that the most important thing is having switchable wings that can defend multiple positions, and that is what the Kings lack off the bench. I think maybe a good rim protector could slightly make up for not having that, but the Kings have neither a rim protector off the bench or the versatile wings. So that's why they really struggle. But I think like you're you see with like Rudy Gobert is the best rim protector in the entire league. But even he gets exposed when he switches on to smaller guards, right? And so he may make up for for some deficiencies in a defense by being able to block a lot of shots inside and alter a lot of shots but i think the more important thing in today's nba not in 20 years ago nba but in today's nba is having guys that can guard multiple positions and that is just something the kings lack and, but they have been trying to address with things such as drafting Keegan Murray, who is obviously one of those guys. Anyways, that is it for this episode of the Royal Report. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe if you are on YouTube. And leave a rating and a review if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast. And I will be back to recap the game against the Grizzlies on Tuesday. Peace.